Welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Shelly has been <laughs> snapping. She just caught her breath from running down here Woo! today. I did not want to be late. That's right. Got to get here on the Respect time. Respect the Dragon Talk. Well, welcome. I'm Greg Tito. Thank you. I'm Shelly Mazzanoble. Hello, Shelly. Hi, Tito. How goes it? Remember last time we were recording a podcast like and we s- ran out because it was snowing? I do remember that. Yeah. And then you remember how like it stopped snowing like 10 minutes later? It was like we were in like whiteout and then I'm like, oh, look, there's blue sky. And then it was sunny. Yeah. And then we like walked around our neighborhood for a while. It was that nice out. Oh, that's beautiful. It was kind of embarrassing, though. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> like fleeing, like literally fleeing the building. You guys were very scared. I'm not terrified. Yeah, we were going to talk to Annie and Kate. Yep, uh, blew them off, totes. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll schedule that at some point. I hope. Probably never now. Well, it has you to lost be in chance. the spring because you lost your chance. it might snow again. I know. We've been talking a lot about Tales from the Yawning Portal and all the work that uh, her, uh, well, Annie and Kate and Jeremy put together and like. Making they, that happen. They're a wonder team. The three of them. They are wunderkind. Wunder. Thundercats. Thundercats. They are Thundercats. They are. Speaking of Thundercats and really? voice uh, acting, I hear you got <clears> something <throat> really special you wanted to lay down on. I have a new impression. Do it. I've been saving it because I've really been working on it. Okay. Although I don't really have like official things this person would say, I'm just going to say, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Set right now. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I thought, is Anthony Daniels here? He's Did right he, here. Was he under the table? Yeah, he's right here. He's under the table. Yeah. It's pretty good, right? That's pretty it's great. It's so good that Quinn, every time we play action figures, he hands me the C3PO's because he's got like nine of them and he's like, You be him. He loves the voice. Aww. He thinks I do it well. You've got like one fan. Well, three year olds are very discerning. Hey, true. He yeah. has this little Star Wars underwear. Aww. And when I pull the C-3PO ones out. I always pretend like C-3PO doesn't want to be on a little boy's underwear. <laughs> and he like fights. He's like, I will not be on a butt. I am not going on your underwear. Oh, dear. And he's like, C-3PO, I farted. And I, <laughs> on your butt. <laughs> I farted right through your face. <laughs> oh, dear, master. That is disgusting. And then I can do beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. That's my R2D too. That was pretty good too. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm like a I'm like a droid magnet. I'm so glad that like if you ever wanted to get into voice acting, you could just be like, just listen to this uh, this podcast, yeah. and there's basically your reel right here. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this voice I'm doing right now is is an impression. It's not even my <laughs> it's voice. It's an impression of of, of, of Shelly Mazzano. My real voice is like. What? <laughs> I'm a on cowboy. fire today. You really are. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we have a really a special guest uh, yeah. on the interview. Speaking of talent. Yeah. It's and Dylan Sprouse. Uh, Sprouse? An actor you may know from uh, Nickelodeon shows. Uh, Zach and Cody, The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody, for, mm-hmm. for instance, is one of them. I know I'm that sure show. there are others. I think there was on a boat. There was one on a boat. Zach An episode? No, like a boat? whole series that oh. they were on a boat. I think it was the same. We'll have to ask uh, Dylan. Okay. But he, I met him down at uh, Force Gray when we did the event in uh, December down in at L.A. The at the Egyptian. Exactly. Um, and he's a, a super into D&D. has been doing streaming D&D for a long time. Um, and uh, On his own? On his own. Oh. Yeah. And he's doing a fun event down at Meltdown Comics in L.A. Uh, for the launch of... Um, Tales from the Awning Portal. Really? On April 24th. Are you uh, going to be there? For XSM. Uh, so it should be really what? exciting. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the shopping network that is at uh, Meltdown Comics. It's basically like a geeker, a geek, geeker? Geek uh, shopping network. They is, have is a basically. geek shopping network? They do. They like do. home shopping network for geeks. Yeah. Where they, t- they, they take collectibles and they show them off and it's all in the video and they're like, and you can buy it now. That type of thing. Uh, but I feel like they're really upping their game for April 24th. So you guys got to make sure you tune in then. That's really cool. Exciting for that. Yep. All right. Well, we'll talk to Dylan in just a few seconds. Uh, but before then, I think we have a, a, a segment we're going to play. Oh. Yes. It is going to be a segment. I'm not sure what segment it is. That sounds amazing. But it will be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, that wasn't a really good Thank one. you. <laughs> You're welcome, Master <laughs> Greg. You too, Ryan. <laughs> All right, let's play it now. Hello, and welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. I am Mr. Greg Tito. 
Do you, can you say Mr. when you're referring to yourself? All right. Well, now I feel bad, even though you're saying it's okay. Thanks, Ryan, for that. Uh, I am here with uh, Matt Cernit, our lore master. Mr. Matt Cernit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <sorry. laughs> Dang it. I didn't want to do it twice. Uh, so today we are going to talk about uh, some amazing lore that will get your uh, Dungeon Master and player minds spinning. Um, today's topic is about warlock packs and uh, just basically ideas that you can use in uh, personifying some of the uh, entities that your warlock character will uh, make an agreement with in order to receive its mystical power. Um, there's a lot here, uh, and I want to thank first, before we get into too much of it, uh, the person who suggested this topic, uh, Evan Wakahau. I'm going to pronounce that wrong, but thank you for that topic. He's at Monkey Boy uh, on Twitter. So um, if you guys want to come up with more topics, please feel free to mention me uh, at Greg Tito. Uh, uh, something you might want to learn about in the Forgotten Realms or, or other D&D lore. Yeah, and if you don't want your uh, name mispronounced, please tell us how to pronounce it. That's that too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's part of the deal when you're doing uh, 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 requests like that. You know, People are just going to mangle your name. Uh, and I apologize in, in advance for doing so. Anywho, on to uh, other names we can mangle uh, about warlock packs uh, and uh, <laughs> the, the entities, therefore, because I'm sure there's going to be some demonic and other names that are nigh on unpronounceable that we'll get to. So, uh, Matt, so yeah, the, the, the warlock class has this interesting uh, back and forth uh, between a, the character and a, a, an entity. And it's kind of up to you know, the player and the dungeon master to kind of decide what that entity is. Uh, so we thought it would be a good way to, to kind of talk about some, some story ways that, that people can come up with uh, for, for who is bestowing this power. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are lots of options for um, entities within the world and the lore of Forgotten Realms and D&D for what might be the being that grants that pact. Um, I would encourage DMs and players definitely to uh, take that as a real strong opportunity to inject a lot of fun story, right? Make that person who has the, the that's giving you the pact uh, somebody that reappears in adventures and stuff like that. Someone who actually communicates with the PC. And, yeah. I mean, that's a real way to make the, the warlock feel like something very different from the, the wizard or the sorcerers. You know, because if you have a pact with an archfey and that archfey is some night hag, and maybe that night hag owns or has you know, control of your mother's soul, Right, and you've made this pact with her to do X, Y, and Z in order to get back your mother's soul. Right, like wow. Right, right, and then this character can come in and, and give you advice, or or tell you secrets, or push you in one direction or another, or give you hints that maybe mis that you misdirect you, or all kinds of fun little things. You know, maybe they have helpers that can come and like uh, occasionally um, help your character instead of them actually sh showing up. So like maybe this. Maybe you're on an adventure, and this ha and this night hag um, sends you know a quickling to come and, and deliver some message to you, or talk to you, or help you out, or something like that. It's a real great excuse to inject lots of fun, interesting story with with those characters. Nice, and that night hag is a great example for uh, w uh, for which pact exactly the archfey. Well, pact? Arch archfey, yeah. So archfey, um, I think a lot, sometimes people assume that you know a warlock pack has to be with something super powerful like an archfey or um, a, you know, a demon lord or a devil or uh, you know, something along those lines. And it certainly can be, and there are great candidates for that that offer some really interesting story, particularly you know, uh, uh, devils and, and demon lords and the archfey offer some really interesting opportunities. Um, there's the, but like you know, the great old one, um, there's interesting ideas there as well because it, you know, you can interpret that not just as something of godlike power, but something, you know, just very powerful. So yeah. imagine, um, you know, just a, some powerful lich is your great old one. So it doesn't have to be something Cthulhu-esque, outside space, you know, strange entity. It could be something that, you know, you could go visit and talk to. Mm. Um, you know, how exactly does that transfer of power occur to you or from them to you? Um, obviously, there's some sort of bargain in place that should be part of the sort of story that you set up with your DM. And, uh, you know, maybe you are literally borrowing some of their power. Maybe that Lich, while you're casting spells as a warlock, had, doesn't have as much access to their own power while they're giving you power. 
right? So that's why it doesn't have to be a godlike figure or something that could be an omnipotent or you know right. that kind of a thing. It can start to be like a, a zero sum type thing where like, all right, well, I'm not using my power right now, so you can borrow it, right? In order to you know, and and from the the person who's giving or the entity that's giving the pact, it's like they're getting you as an agent to do what they actually really want, right? And you know, I mean, there's all kinds of fun things you can do. So like you know, the great old one um, might be an example where, or maybe even the fiend, you could use. The, you know, whichever mechanics you want to use, mm-hmm. uh, it could be an entity like maybe it's a genie in a bottle that you're carrying around. Oh, neat! And yeah. and you know, this genie in a bottle occasionally talks to you. And but does the genie want? Maybe you can't release this genie, and that's part of the bargain. Bar- the genie wants to get out. You have to release this genie, but you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to release the genie. So the genie is giving you little bits of power as you're traveling along, going on your adventures, right? And this is maybe, that's a that's a cool little thing, This you know, and like, maybe if you lose it, you don't lose your powers, but you still want to get this thing back in order to sort of fulfill your end of the bargain because maybe the genie does X, Y, and Z you while you're using your power if you've right. lost it, you know, and that kind of thing. And there are, I mean, there's the, 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 the contemporary kind of, idea uh, that warlocks are getting their power from a from an evil or demonic source but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way correct um, and I like the your you know your idea about the genie in the bottle made me think of like oh there's more like elemental type you know mm-hmm. lures or, or, or powers um, that could also bestow this kind of power right and, and you could imagine even um, there might be some sort of a uh, good version of a warlock, in the sense of there, are, there are creatures like um, uh, Lamasu and Quattles and uh, unicorns and things like that. And maybe those are are, are um, sphinxes, right? Like maybe those could be mm. a uh, a version of one of those packs. Maybe that's a, a great old one or, or something else uh, that could um, be providing you with with power in exchange for something that you've agreed to do, some great quest or some sacrifice that you're making, um, you know, it could be in that case if it's some sort of good power. You know, you might be the character who's actually bad. You know, maybe you're trying to redeem yourself for mm. some some great thing that, evil that you've done in the past, and and so your character has agreed to sort of um, this quest on behalf of this good entity to uh, and, and has been granted power by this good entity. You know, Kyrian is another example from Volo's Guide to Monsters. I think it's Kyron is in there. Pretty sure. Um, <laughs> and we have so many books; it's hard to keep them all straight. <laughs> and and so like you know, and that's fascinating because like that. I mean, I, that's a you know uh, you know again, it's one of those things where like that that monster can appear in the adventure or uh, and or send you signs and give you plots and so on. Um, as to sort of like specific named entities, there are a ton of great ideas. I mean, if you look at up and down the list of demon lords and devils, um, there's plenty of details that you can find about out about those online. Um, there's you know a few details, obviously, in the fifth edition books. Tons of details in third and second and first edition books yeah. and so on. Out of the Abyss would be the great one for the demon lords. Yeah. You definitely feel uh, uh, tied to them. But it doesn't have to be a lord necessarily. It can right. be lesser demons. Or devils or whatever. I mean, the the the, um, the novels by Aaron Evans, uh, there's um, effectively a... Well, I mean, I think the ultimate patron is probably... Um, my brain just fell out. It's the Lord of the Nine. Like, as, as motive, as motive. Motive. Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, the person that they, they talk to and they, they feel as though they're sort of having almost access to is, yeah. is a much lesser devil and that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, but, the, you know, with the, the Fae, there's, they're mentioned in, I think, the DMG, but probably also the PH. Uh, but there's a number of them, which is uh, Queen uh, Titania or Titania. I don't know how you pronounce it necessarily. Right. Oberon. Um, there's the Queen of Air and Darkness. There's Hearsome. Uh, these are all sort of um, quixotic entities. They aren't necessarily good or evil. Uh, and so, you know, any one of them could be a, a sort of tricky power to deal with as a source of power. For uh, the old one, um, there's there's great ideas of things like um, uh, Larlock, who is this super ancient, super powerful lich that uh, was in uh, what a place called Warlock's Crypt uh, for a while on the coast of uh, the Sword Coast. And uh, most recently he appeared in um, Ed's Sundering novel 
as a character trying to kind of like grasp the weave and in the course of that novel he kind of gets dispersed and so he's a lich did he just go back to his phylactery and come out again Mm. or is he out there somewhere in the weave of magic Oh, like it's actually his being is kind of infected into right. what we think of as magic. Ooh, that's crazy. Right. You know, and then you're accessing this guy, right? And and what he wants from you. Now, th- those are all really cool ideas, um, and I like the idea of uh, possibly also bringing in uh, entities or deities that aren't necessarily tied to the Forgotten Realms as well. Like, I mean, it might be a way if you always liked, you know, a a, a Greyhawk deity or even a, a, a something from other another part of, of of literature or whatever that you could be like, all right, well, they're mm-hmm. they're contacting you through the multiverse, right? Vecna comes in and yeah. you know, and that kind of a thing. Um, particularly, you know, it would be fun if there were there were some sort of artifact or something that you were um, tying that to. So, you know, the hand and the eye and Vecna. Uh, and um, or maybe you know, Aya's the evil has has some plans in the front realms for some reason. And mm. So um, there's there's lots of fun things that you can do to to blend um, things together if you if you want to do that. And there's plenty of also just old weird gods in the front realms that uh, are considered minor deities or just strange forgotten deities or even dead deities that you might bring back through the the idea of a warlock. You know. So there's Ibrandlin, who's like this deity of um, the caves in the dark. Yeah. Um, there's uh, um, Gonadar, who's sort of this god of like slimes and oozes and stuff like that. So, and those characters definitely work really well as sort of the great old one type type figures. So. Yeah. Now, I mean, I know there's the there's the Pact Blade kind of warlocks, uh, but uh, one thing that I always would love to to kind of weave into a campaign was like a sentient weapon or something that something that like uh, 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 the weapon itself is your is your patron. Yeah, absolutely. And a great example of that would be something like um, the Blade Singers in the Forgotten Realms, which are. Uh, typically uh, only elves, and they are these saw swords that are handed down from generation to generation of blade singers. But the swords themselves um, often sort of suck up the souls of their previous users. Mm. And so the sword itself is this um, entity or group entity, depending upon how many people are in there or if there are people in there. And uh, it will it zap people that um, aren't supposed to wield it and that kind of a thing. And so, right. you know, you could have some elf character who is a blade singer or maybe a half elf um, descendant, that kind of a thing, that, uh, you know, wants to wield this powerful sword. Maybe if they've got the sword in their, their, their um, sheath or scabbard, and they're afraid to wield it because one of the things that happens is that, that it can zap and kill you if you're unworthy. Mm. And so they might be sort of holding on to it trying to sort of figure out what makes them worthy as they're, they're you know, doing their warlock thing. Neat. That's a cool idea. And, you know, there is a Blade Singer, I think, um, version in some product that we did, Adventure, maybe? I think Sword Coast Adventure is Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember where. Uh, but anyway, I was also but, thinking about Black Razor would be a wonderful idea yeah. for that as well, uh, from from White Plume Mountain, which is coming out in, in, in Tales from the Yawning Portal. Absolutely. Um, that sword, everything I've read about that, as it's, it's it has its own goals and desires mm-hmm. and uh, great power, uh, and also has that sucking of of souls kind of yeah. And thing there, going on. there are plenty of strange, weird sentient items, or, or I mean, like just go. I mean, open up any D and D book and look for for something strange, and think about how that could be. You know, the, the sort of owner of your warlock pack. There's a thing called uh, the Machine of Lum the Mad. <laughs> which, which is like this massive, massive uh, bay of buttons and knobs and levers and so on that you pull and it just weird stuff, you know. Maybe that machine itself has somehow gained sentience someplace in the world, and you know it, it's oh, yeah. it's your weird, uh, you know, warlock pack master. That'd be right? cool for like a gnome or a yeah. uh, a tinkerer, right? Uh, a warlock, you yeah. know. Or, to- or uh, you know, modrons. Modrons are super weird. Like they're just this bizarro alien intelligence that's just about sort of following orders and being lockstep in you know lawful neutral uh, nature and so on. And yeah. maybe there's some powerful modron who, for some reason, you know, thinks that maybe it's totally mistaken, but <laughs> but that you know that wants you to essentially be a an agent for it itself and enforcing. 
you know, its version of whatever law is. Right. And Mojan's coming. They were they were a, uh, uh, from the plane of order. Is that yeah, right? Mechanist. Yep. Yeah. So that's what that's. Yeah, and, there, and there's the old, you know, that they have kind of spread out and are in the Underdark and, and things in the Forgotten Realms. So you might actually encounter them and them being a planar being, they have that power that with, in order to bestow, yeah. bestow that pocket. Oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah. So there's there's tons of fun things that you can do with with warlocks, uh, and you know if you just turn things around a little bit, I mean a dragon might be a, a great um, character that could be something that grants the warlock pact. I know they're associated with sorcerers, you know, and bloodlines and so on, but you know it, it, you just look at it through a different lens and, and see what happens. Or a, uh, a um, uh, Dracolich, Slark Hrethel, the Kraken in yeah. the Realms. Oh right? yeah, like that's a Awesome. That and scary as all heck. Five. I mean. Now, what about the idea of uh, warlocks, patrons, not uh, uh, being duplicitous? Like you know, you're, you're you're working for this being, but it's not really what it says it is. Well, that's certainly a possibility with any warlock patron. I mean, I mean, it depends upon how much your DM and you want to play with the idea of. Um, really not knowing why your character is doing X, Y, and Z or what the ultimate aim is. I, I mean, I think that that can be something, a storyline that is very sort of, um, you know, emotionally impactful and, and fun and interesting. At the same time, some players are just going to find that super frustrating, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you can't overuse that, I guess. It would be nice for like a, a so, reveal to be like, what yeah, you've actually been yeah. following I mean, is uh, the Demogorgon. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that that's more more interesting. Uh, my instinct would be to work with a player on that and mm-hmm. to have that be a mutual reveal between the oh, player right. and the DM and the rest and the, between those two and, and to the rest of the group as opposed to like oh, that's haha you've actually been you know the villain all along <laughs> <you know? laughs> what about the idea of I mean you mentioned like the entering into agreement and the contract like what what uh, what are some interesting ways that that can be you know kind of dramatized like is it actually uh, a written contract with a signed thing or it could be anything right i mean it could be something that's held in jeopardy like i was saying that that you know your mother's soul is is a grub rot grub being you know carried <laughs> carried around by this night hag somewhere you know yeah uh it could be that you are carrying around the actual object that sword or or maybe it's the the um you know the genie in the bottle kind of a thing uh, it could be a contract that you sign. Right, if a devil know, definitely would have wanted to have it all kind of laid out. out. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of fun ways to kind of bring that into the story as well. You know, maybe this contract is something that you're actually trying to find and destroy. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe uh, the the warlock's powers for your family is actually a curse. And you're trying to sort of end this curse by going and finding whatever it is that was this that has sort of had this hold over your family's bloodline for a long time or something like that. All right. So it's actually like you're trying to not be a warlock anymore. Right. right. Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah. yeah I also I mean, I, I, I use this in the out of the abyss campaign that I ran. One of the players wanted to multi-class into warlock, you know, after the campaign had already started. Um, and I like that idea a lot because what I struggle with is a war like having this pact already in place from when we start playing. You know, like have, it's fun to dramatize the actual moment of entering into that contract throughout the play. So I think warlocks are, especially story-wise, a great thing to multi-class into for that reason. Yeah, and I, I think one of the, I think one of the things that sometimes um, people trip up over is like I'm a first-level adventurer, therefore I am a young so-and-so going out and doing my adventure for the first time. Right. Um, that doesn't have to be the case. I mean, you might be, you know, a, a 50-year-old, <laughs> you know, lady who's been, you know, doing X, Y, and Z for her her life, and then she came into contact with this strange water spirit, you know, when you know she was out. Uh, sailing and it saved her, you know, son from drowning. And so, you know, she she's beholden now to this water spirit, right? For you know, and that's your character is, is and becomes you, an adventurer, from, right? From from, from, from that, that point on, right? From, and and it's you know, in the same way that you know, wizards you know, don't have to be, uh, you know, your apprentice wizard doesn't have to be a young person. Like it takes a long time to master wizardry. You 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 might just be, you know. 
an old person who's going on an adventure for the first time. I'm still hoping when I get to be, you know, 50, I'm going to finally get that yeah, letter. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. that letter to be like, welcome, Harry, you're a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen one of these days. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's lots of fun opportunities um, for, for all kinds of interesting characters with warlocks. It's, it's just, yeah, tons and tons of story. Cool. Well, we definitely uh, went through a lot of great ideas. Thank you so much. And I hope, uh, uh, Evan, we were able to give you enough ideas for you and your players. Um, and if not, I hope uh, uh, our next topic will give you even more fun ideas. So thank you, Matt. Thank you. And uh, we'll be having more lore next week. That was a really great segment. It was either was, it was either Lore You Should Know or Sage Advice, and it was amazing. It's like dealer's choice. Like Ryan just drops some stuff in. Just throw it in there. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so thank so you, good. thank you for listening to that. Whatever it was, I'm sure it was comedy gold, just like your uh, C3PO impression. That's um, not comedy. That's just straight up dramatic. Not, not trying to be funny. Dr- oh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just you being you. Yeah, it's just good. You being the android that you are. C3PO's not funny. I knew you were programmed. Beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get Dylan Sprouse on the. F- Whoa, yeah, you're doing it already. Whoa. Ryan's a good Ryan man. Ryan is like enough of this. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Dylan. It's Greg. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good. How are you doing? We got Shelly on the line, too. Hello, Dylan. Hey, Shelly. What's up? Just living the dream here. Very excited <laughs> to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you, too. This is exciting. Yeah. Everything's exciting today. It is. It's yeah. an exciting day. Is it just today or is that every day? It's just today. Tomorrow's okay. going to be horrible. Yeah. And yesterday was bad, too. So it's just hmm. uh, sweet. So this is Monday. You know, you always think Mondays are, you know. Monday, fun day. But today, no, it's good day. And pun day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dylan, we want to talk to you, A, uh, about your love of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, which cool. uh, when we met uh, uh, back in December, you uh, expounded upon. And uh, then, of course, you know, uh, what you got planned for uh, Tales for the Awning Portal coming up. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start with the latter question first. Tales, okay. you know, I where do I begin? So pug crawl, I guess, is where I start. Yeah, explain uh, that because I think not everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little bit of history for me. I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons for a while, um, you know, since I was 15, 14, 15 years old. I started playing. And, what uh, uh, what and, drew you to it when you were when you were that young? You know, if I'm to be completely honest, I, I don't remember every influence, but uh, a big one for me was uh, working in Meltdown Comics at the time in LA. Mm. Um, oh, you were working uh, at Meltdown? Yeah, yeah, oh, I, uh, cool. I really I, I spent so much time and money in there as a kid, um, <laughs> buying comics and just uh, eating up everything about it. Uh, and my dad suggested to me at one point, he's like, Hey, you should try working there. And we'd known, uh, Gaston very well, the owner. Mm -hmm. Um, so he was like, sure, you know what? You're going to bag and board comics and, uh, clean the place and you can get a comic every day if you like. Wow. So, so I was like, sweet. And, uh, you were already, you were already acting at that time, right? I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was acting on a television show at that time. Um, but you know, I needed to feed my comic book habit. And <laughs> and so I actually kind of picked up one of the Dungeons and Dragons books and I talked to Gaston and I was like, gee, why don't you guys have a Meltdown Comics D&D group here? Mm-hmm. What? That um, was you who started this whole thing? Yeah, in the back of Meltdown. Oh, Believe my God. Not, my brother and I. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like 15, 16 years old. So... So we were like, hey, you know, why don't you guys have a group? And he's like, you know what? Frankly, I don't know. Maybe if we put out some flyers and and we did some work for it, people would come. And sure enough, they did. And we had a small group back then. And, and this was before uh, the actual um, Nerdist Theater came in. Mm. So it, it was a while ago. Um, and we had played fourth, I think it was, um, which was super technical. Uh, and we had yeah. a good time and we played a group back there and then it kind of evolved. But my brother and I went to college and people kept playing at D and D and it became this kind of beautiful, cool things out, out of our hands. Um, 
But one thing led to another, and we were also looking for a way to play Dungeons & Dragons in uh, New York City, which is where we moved after that. Yeah. Um, and I met up with a friend uh, named Rich Campbell and Alex Grash, and they're like, hey, let's put a group together. Nice. And we did. And at that point in time, uh, the new edition had come out, and we made something very, very unique um, and odd about our campaign. Um, and ever since then, we've been playing. But what I can was, go into more details that we continue on. <laughs> yeah, what was the unique, uh, uh, crazy thing you did? So essentially, we. So I went to school for video game design, and that's where I met both my friend uh, Alexander Gresh and uh, Rich Campbell, and we had all we were all part of the same D and D group. Um, and we were talking, and we were saying, you know, there's there's all these streams online. Rich Campbell uh, works over at MLG mm. and we're talking about putting a stream together online. We're like, yes, but there's gotta be a way to make a, a campaign setting or a setting that is super facilitating to streaming platforms. Mm. Something that's um, really non-linear, not canonical between episodes and can kind of be summed up in almost like a game show type setting um and we put our heads together and we made a i guess you would call it a dungeons and dragons mod okay called pug crawl which <laughs> is essentially you roll a d20 um and whatever number it lands on correlates to uh, a certain character and that character is already pre-made and you play a scenario suggested to you by the twitch audience oh and we have been doing that for months and months now that's so cool so what what, what is the significance of pug why why pug and not you uh, really have to ask too. No, right? yeah <laughs> just make them want to make it as clear as possible <laughs> so pug is uh it's public group essentially. Ah. so it's, it's a term that you know you know we we liked public group we also liked pub crawling this is something that our friends <laughs> did a lot of so we thought pug crawl could be interesting and we mashed the two up um and we thought it kind of adhered to the idea which is that you're rolling for these random characters and they're mashed together and they have to complete something and um each episode and so we named it pug crawl for that reason nice um, i see yeah now pickup group the the pug acronym is from uh, like world of warcraft and stuff that's exactly right. Now I'm getting it all together. For some, I was mm-hmm. really thinking it was the dog. I thought really thought it had to do <laughs> with the breed of dog. Well, it, it certainly doesn't help that we have a logo. That's a that's a pug. <laughs> I think you know that's just to appeal to the cute factor in everybody. Further confuses and uh, uh, makes people ask you that question over and over again. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's where's right. the pug? Yeah. I was promised a pug. I know. I have a sleepy uh, English bulldog passed out behind me, but he's not Aww. a pug. So, you know, what can I do? He's got imposter Seconds. syndrome. <laughs> 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 so you you do mention um, doing you know, setting up a game that was you know appropriate for a stream for streaming. Yeah. And I'm always just you know curious about how how you play behind closed doors is different from how you play in a stream. I mean, obviously you have like a different format here, which is interesting, but is there other <laughs> aspects that are different for you when you're streaming D&D as opposed to just a casual game at home with your friends? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it should be said that um, that maybe the word appropriate, more appropriate for a stream is not right of me to say, because of course, obviously there's huge success behind kind of long campaign mm-hmm. streams. Um, and, you know, people have seen... Uh, and a major rise in interest on streaming platforms for D&D. Uh, we were just thinking of something that was kind of really quick and fun and interesting and that people wouldn't have to tune into or watch episode one of if we are on to filming episode 27, for example. Um, but we actually started playing a long-term campaign and then kind of... Uh, mashed it all up a little bit but behind closed doors i think depending on the friend group the the content either gets darker or or raunchier there's sometimes more cussing or (laughs) you know stuff stuff that is 
uh, typical of friend groups or kind of interactions that uh, I guess you wouldn't stream in general. Um, but for us on Pug Crawl, we're pretty we're pretty straightforward. What you get is what you get. I mean, we're really not pulling many punches, um, but we do try to keep the content approachable as well. That makes sense. I do like the idea of having something that's episodic uh, that doesn't need you know, to have you watch, you know, 80 hours of content before you really understand what's happening. Yeah, you can just jump in. Mm-hmm. But we thought so, too. And something that was kind of very, very highly interactive with the audience is kind of what we were hoping for. Um, you know, in the same way that there was a stream called Twitch Plays Pokemon a couple of years back. Yeah, I uh, that. yeah and, and I always thought that idea was so cool. Um, and that there must be some way to incorporate aspects of, uh, you know, I guess chat inclusion into Dungeons and Dragons. And we've thought long and hard about this, maybe trying to find some emotes or trying to find some console commands, uh, for chat that would, I guess, correlate to a character or an an automata or, you know, (laughs) affect the campaign, uh, quite literally. Um, so it's all things that we're experimenting with. Yeah, that's super cool. I really like that idea, too, so that it's uh, building on the improv nature of playing Dungeons & Dragons where, you know, if you've been to, like, an improv comedy show, people just throw out ideas and then they make theater from that. It's kind of a similar idea where where the crowd gets to throw out, you know, scenarios and or or character type things, um, and then the gamers just roll with it. That's exactly right. we we thought that could be fun, and it turns out it is. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a uh, there's a lot of kind of funny things about it that I guess you know definitely affects the way the game plays out. Um, some characters, I think, some archetypes or some classes for characters don't really facilitate one session. Uh, playtimes or things like having long rests and short rests don't really make much sense. Um, in, I guess, a single play session, which could be up to three hours. Um, So there's some kind of kinks you got to get around, but for the most part, we've learned to bend the rules in a fun way. Nice. Um, And you're doing one of these pug crawls uh, on April 24th, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So uh, kind of celebrating the launch of the new book, um, I actually got contacted by Gaston, uh, who owns Meltdown Comics again, and mm-hmm. uh, and we had previously done an event uh, with Matt Mercer called Force Gray, um, and I participated in that, and I had a really fun time jumping in, and I, I super appreciate. Yeah, uh, Tyrol Tall Guy was uh, pretty memorable, I think, for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm I'm glad I got a chance to to see everyone and jump in and have a good time like that. And, and, you know, Gaston asked me afterwards, he said, Hey, we're having this new, um, this new book being released. Uh, and are you interested in doing something with us? Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, and kind of through that ended up you and I got in contact again and, and, uh, and, you know, we've set up from there some kind of mashup with, pug crawl and the new book which uh tentatively thinking finding a way to incorporate these scenarios uh into the pug crawl wheel and finding a way to like spin it and and do some sort of 30 minute play session of of different different settings from the book yeah how are you thinking about about doing that is are you going to have uh uh, it be one of the adventures or or are you truly going to have like all seven adventures be available for play depending on where the wheel lands i think i think the latter but i don't think that i'll do something um quite the length of the entire campaign right i i may boil it down to its kind of juiciest moments Mm -hmm. find ways for the format that we do to kind of poke fun or play around in the scenarios for a little bit the the actual story there is some kind of very loose backbone to pug crawl which is that you know you are these champions and essentially this uh kind of eldritch god of 
uh, games has decided to kind of call on you randomly at the random assortment and place you into this scenario where you're uh, you have amnesia of how you got there, but suddenly you're thrust into an environment where you have a single kind of goal in mind. So, so this is kind of, I think, incorporating that uh, with Tales, the new book. We will try to find some uh, fun things to do. That's neat. Sounds good. I love the idea of that even with your uh, you, you know your mod of D and D trying to break it down and 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 have fun with it. That even that has a meta story which fits in the whole like D&D multiverse you know like there's a god of chance who's <laughs> you know th- yeah, throwing you into this I'm like oh my god that's so I, I love that overarching idea it's so cool yeah we 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 actually fought uh, each other internally about what to do for quite a while because there was we actually realized that we needed a, something like that um, yeah we played a couple games and it was a mess without it it's like having a game show, you know, scenario. Like, um, what's the one uh, with there's the the banker? You know that game show where there was the banker? Deal or no deal? Deal or no deal, right. Imagine actually not having the banker be a part of that. Right. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense, right? So it's Exactly like, right. It's similar to the struggles you guys were having. It was like It has to have at least this loose idea or else the whole thing falls apart. That's right. Some sort of scenario really it, it it ended up being an issue of how we started and how we ended a campaign mm. in a short amount of time right because there felt like unless there was some deus ex machina that there wasn't ever a reason for the characters to leave or there wasn't ever a reason for the characters to to be summoned again or used again in a different scenario so so it had to be some kind of weird uh, plot device like that end up being fun. So I think there's a way to, to even incorporate some of that in, in the yawning portal stuff that we do. That's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. So how did you get in on the force gray game? What was the connection there? Uh, Gaston. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he's like your patron saint. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Well, Gaston is a, is a longtime family friend now. And so I think, you know, since then, him and I actually, we created, when I was younger, I was really into, um, I guess, those kind of, you would call them, like, uh, art collector toys. Um, and I was really, I really wanted to make one and find out how. And so he helped me uh, figure it all out. And since then, and including me working there as well, and just slumming around inside of the shop since I was a, a young lad. We've just been good friends ever since. And so That's since cool. he knew I played Dungeons and Dragons, he he reached out and was like, hey, I think they're looking for another player. Are you around? And I said, no, but I definitely can be. <laughs> but awesome. I will be. <laughs> That's cool. Now, can you, I mean, I th- feel like we've mentioned uh, guests on this podcast before, but mm-hmm. perhaps you can confirm or deny uh, that he is the basis of uh, the comic book uh, owner character from The Simpsons. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that urban myth? Yeah. I've always heard that. I've, is that an urban myth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, I feel like if, I feel like it's one of those, he's maybe a magical being that if I mention <laughs> it in, in as a fact, it, he may just disappear into thin air. So... I, uh, I'm not going to confirm or deny anything, but what I will say is that there's no doubt, uh, to me that he has impacts on stuff like that, that just go deep into nerd culture Yeah, in in LA, especially really, really deep. I'm always amazed at how many people, you know, not just that he knows, but like that, like you have like a personal deep connection to him. And, you know, you know, like that the, the list goes on and on. It's just it's kind of amazing. He feels like one of those like, you know, shadow figures who's <laughs> maybe maybe he's like Dionysus uh, reborn <laughs> yeah. or something. <laughs> maybe he's the god of games. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. You That's have, perfect. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, because, you know, I, I think really a good way to describe him would be um somewhat of a a culture maker Mm. because when I was growing up in LA, you know, 
it was the place in Hollywood to go for your comic books and and kind of pen and paper games. It was the place. Um, people would walk there because it was such a central location. Uh, and then when he had been talking to Nerdist and expanded into that, beforehand it had been a kind of uh, art gallery in the back, which I think it still does that stuff from time to time and event space. Right. So it was this kind of facilitating location. Meltdown comics was this facilitating location that really allowed a lot of different walks of life to interact with each other in the back of this comic book shop with no air conditioning. So (laughs) (laughs) it was great. Um, and then Nerdist theater came in and, and it made it even better. And it, it became just this real central hub for for really cool interactions in that area and i think that you know to some degree you definitely definitely owe a lot of culture for this world to gaston and meltdown comics it's true it's true and that's that was a big reason why we wanted to have our uh D live for meltdown event there last year to announce uh storm king's thunder um, and yeah, that's where I first started interacting with him. And it's been, it's, you know, it's been a whirlwind ever since. Yeah. I just, I loved actually when I was there for that event and it sounds like he's almost got like this, uh, you know, school for wayward boys kind of thing going, uh, for the people who work at a meltdown. Cause there was another <laughs> person who worked there, uh, who was like, Oh, this will just be, this is Jamie. He's going to be your, you know, your guy who, uh, uh, is the liaison between everything going on. And it wasn't, I'm sure I'm not outing him at all. Cause he's pretty, uh, uh, public about him working at meltdown, but it was, um, uh, Jim Iovine's uh, son was, was is Jamie, and I was like, Jamie, oh, yeah. Jimmy Iovine, he's that producer, like he's produced some of like the best rock albums I that I've it. ever like, these are heard. Like, he doesn't, I mean, he building character. At yeah, Meltdown. I love that. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just again, it's just this kind of super unpretentious comic book culture spot. In, in a way, it has no sort of pretension but it takes itself so seriously and everybody is there at the same time uh from all different walks of life it's just people who enjoy that kind of aspect of it and yeah like you said you never know who's going to come in there nice i used to sell uh, sonic the hedgehog comics to uh zach braff that was one thing that i always thought (laughs) oh no way he would come in weekly for a sonic the hedgehog comic and i was like oh okay some people just love sonic the hedgehog comics i guess uh, <laughs> now you're awesome. outing him as a sonic fan too <laughs> i like him even more now <laughs> so when did when did this uh the whole acting thing start for you oh god uh i haven't known really any life without it truth be told um so i'm an i'm an identical twin um and in the entertainment industry uh, identical twins as babies work a lot because oh, yeah. they're child labor laws. Um, essentially, in quotes, if you have the same kid, you can double your hours. So, hey. so I need an identical twins. twin right now. You do need an identical <laughs> twin. <laughs> so we worked from eight months on. Wow. Eight months old. Yeah. Doing diaper commercials. Nice. I'm still doing diaper commercials. <laughs> You're going to do them again in Which is quite weird. a few yeah. years. I'm just kind of never not doing diaper oh commercials. Oh, my God. That's a time-honored yeah. bit. I feel like you've told that joke many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Adult diapers. <laughs> so is this something that you you still want to pursue? or Because you mentioned going to school for video game design. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean... That's that's the thing is that I've I'm doing a lot of kind of entrepreneurial stuff in a way. Um, I'm opening up right now, particularly the majority of my interest and time is taken up opening a brewery in <gasps> uh, in Brooklyn. So, nice. so I'm opening up a meadery which serves mead, um, oh God, awesome. and that will be open sometime in the summer. You have so to play D and D there. You have to. Yeah, it's a meadery. Yeah. Oh, well, you can bet. You can bet that. And, uh, I mean, between you and me, the management staff has already talked about finding a way to get Super Smash Bros. secretly in our office. So, Oh, nice. We'll, we'll have something like that. Um, but that's where in, uh, a lot of my time. Where in Brooklyn are you opening that up? That'll be in the William Vale Hotel uh, over in Williamsburg. Oh, okay. That's where I, I lived there for 10 years. 
No way. Yeah. That's awesome. What a coincidence. What, uh, I mean, every, I feel like everybody of my age that lived in Brooklyn, that was like one of the places they, uh, they congregated. Uh, but uh, I don't know that hotel, though. Is that, that might open up since I left. It, it probably did. It's a relatively recent construction. Um, it's on uh, North 12th and Wife. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's near McCarran Park. Yeah, I but, was I was North Ninth and Bedford, so I was right right near there. Oh yeah, right there. I actually I think I know the building that you must have been in. I think my buddy lives there now. But um, <laughs> funny enough, I know it's, it's, small, it's a small world. Yeah, and you know, in terms of regarding acting, um, definitely still interested. It, it it really depends on project, and it depends on on if it's interesting, and I can actually fit it into this this kind of scenario as well. Um, I think right now I, I got my hands full a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but if it's a good project, I would, I would definitely love to hear about it. And if I'm interested, then it'll probably work out. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, just thinking like, you know, you were acting since you were eight months old. I read a lot of celebrity memoirs and Us Weekly, and therefore... I feel like you're very well adjusted for somebody who's been in show business almost your whole life. Like you actually went to college and you had a job at a comic book shop. You didn't have to do any of those things. That's I'm, true, but I mean, you should also see my jars of brains that I keep in my box. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was going to go ahead and just credit D&D with why you're so well adjusted. That's also why the jars of brains are there, though, too. For sure, that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When, you, when you want to turn into a lich, you got to have, you know, the and materials who there. My reliquaries. I mean, where else am I going to get them? A lich exactly. in diaper commercials. And it sounds like a, a, a meadery in Brooklyn is the perfect front for an evil wizard. For sure. <laughs> That's right. My potion. What is, what's the name of this place? Uh, the name is All Wise. So it's named after a passage in uh, one of the Eddas. So it's kind of has to do with Norse mythology a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we are set to go hopefully sometime August, very tentatively, very tentatively Ooh, saying okay. that because as this is my flagship uh, business ever, it has come with a lot of interesting hiccups. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And okay. mead is not something that's mass produced very often, right? It's a, it's a honey, is it honey based? Yeah, it's a honey wine, so it comes out to be the same alcoholic content as uh, as a wine, pretty cool. much. Um, but its primary ingredient is honey instead of grapes. That's insane. Um, and you're right to say that it is not very mass produced. It's still a small industry in the United States, but uh, it's a very fast growing uh, aspect of the alcohol industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're hoping to kind of be one of the earlier meteries inside of New York City, especially. That's pretty cool. Have you, I'm sure you've been over to the Brooklyn Brewery over on uh, North 11th there. Well, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is now we're neighbors. Virtually. Yeah. I have. I have. I like their Pilsner. They have a pretty good Pilsner over there. I always loved their, uh, their Hefeweizen, but they had a seasonal, uh, which was called Monster Ale, hmm. Uh, hmm. which was a barley wine that was, I think, 14% alcohol. Oh. And oh, they, I bet. Get your money's yeah. worth. Yeah, they didn't make it very often. It was like, yeah, they just made a few barrels and they sold it to local, uh, uh, like, bodegas. The, the only bottles that were ha- I've ever seen were in bodegas in Brooklyn. And then I had <laughs> one bar that was had it on tap, and they were trying to get rid of it one night. I, I don't know. It was terrible. I drank, oh, and you helped. <laughs> I helped. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like $3. $3 for like a snifter of this barley wine. And I was like, that's a great deal. And we drank many, many of those. And uh, <laughs> It didn't seem like such a great deal the next day. It didn't day. seem like a great deal the next day. <laughs> I know that they uh, they recently did, I think it was called Brooklyn Defender. They teamed up with Comic-Con. Oh, cool. And they did a kind of Comic-Con uh, beer, I guess, which was, is pretty good. Um, speaking of kind of that linking all up, I guess. Yeah. There, there, there should be a stronger connection, I think, between, uh, uh, you know, nerdery and fantasy and, and alcohol consumption. (laughs) Well, there definitely is the connection there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's very well advertised. Do you know how many characters I've lost due to alcohol consumption (laughs) while playing D&D? This was your player or the character? No, my character, my wizard decides to be like, I can, I can get that. I'm okay. (laughs) No wizard, you're drunk. Get in the bag. (laughs) 
Stand back, wizard. <laughs> the errant fireball every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. You had beer goggles on, ready, yeah. to, ready to take on that dragon. Yeah. Just a little dragon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we, well, we veered away from, from D&D, so let's bring it right back to it. Uh, I want to talk more about celebrities. Oh, yeah, we can do that, too. <laughs> um, but when you play not as part of the, the pug crawl, uh, what, what kind of what style of game do you play? And are you, uh, and are you, know, you the GM or the player? I, I guess, well, how do you mean by style in terms of, like, long term? Yeah, like, are you a, uh, uh, are you a, a dungeon master uh, often, or are you the player when you're, when you're doing it like, more casually? You know, I actually, so I was dungeon master at, uh, at Meltdown Comics when I was younger, did another kind of campaign uh, by myself when I was younger, um, and we rotate dungeon master at Pug Crawl. Um, but recently, I think because I, I end up DMing a lot of the time, um, recently, uh, we've let the campaigns get DM'd by a good buddy of ours, uh, Alexander Gresh, who's also part of the Pug Crawl crew. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I, I realized that as a dungeon master, I'm, uh, I, I, everyone as a dungeon master, just like as a player has their own quirks, you know, they have the things that they, uh, that they really love and things that they either don't or do want to give to the players while they play. Um, so I think <laughs> that in terms of facilitating a long campaign, um, our friend Alexander Gresh is very, very good at DMing those because he's a very technical DM. Um, so he's kind of super, super well-versed uh, in every intricacy of what could potentially happen with a player. I think, you know, another dm very much like this is matt mercer for example who is so so literate with the rule sets while also being such a creative individual themselves that it combines to be a really interesting campaign um i myself i like to really push boundaries as a dm i like to mess around and uh, I like like weird decisions or odd interactions to happen, but just like improv, like we were talking about, uh, I find it particularly fun for, uh, I guess, when I DM to say yes and, right. which is kind of a, an, an improv term, right? You never say no to an improv in an improv class. If someone is suggesting a joke or setting up a question, you never say no in, in improv. You always say yes and. So I do that in uh, DMing as well, um, trying to kind of facilitate weird interactions and and fun things to happen. Um, and uh, I think being a good DM though is also knowing when you have to say no and. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It's a fine line, but you do have to sometimes be like that. You could do that, but it may not have the result that you desire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is a way to get that across sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure, and that's that's actually a one uh, uh, when when someone over asks me like, "Hey, what's your one DMing tip or something like that?" It's it's usually like you know uh, the yes and rule. It's like always work with your player to find the thing that they want to do happen, you know, um, mm-hmm. rather than rather than shutting them down. Because I've been with dungeon masters before who have been like, "Yep, nope, 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 nope," and yep. they're like, "Well, that's no fun. Uh, I don't really have any any ideas." So, but if you at least uh, 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 get people's imagination going. You can it can lead to something fun. Yeah, I totally agree. Or you know, if there's something that they seem interested in doing as a player, and it just doesn't work with the story, you could potentially say, "Well, look, your role fails, but at the same time, it opens up this path," and try to really lead them into an area where they still feel like they've accomplished something. Yeah. While at the same time you know, not cannibalizing on the corpses of the, of the NPCs. So unless you're playing a full evil, you know, necromantic campaign, which, you know, cannibalize away. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So do you, uh, well, you know, here's a little bit for, for our listeners. Uh, you've already had a chance to look at, uh, tales from the awning portal. Sorry, fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, is there any (laughs) one of those, uh, adventures that pop out at you that you want to, you know, a, you're excited to run at the, at the pug crawl or that you want to start running uh, on your own? You know, truth be told, you sent it to me, and I'm totally unprepared for this you question. You son of a bitch. Wow. I have not looked at it yet, and I'll <laughs> tell you why. Because this is a funny quirk about me as a DM, too. 
it doesn't matter how much preparation I have. And now is the sixth, right? So there's an almost uh, upwards of, you know, what seemed like like over 15 days to yeah. go. So, so if I write it down now and I glean through it and really do it, I'll forget everything that is the intricacy of what I'm going to do anyway. So I haven't actually looked at it yet, but okay. I can say with strict confidence that I'm very excited and I will <laughs> glean through it with a fine tooth comb with actually my buddy Gresh, who I mentioned earlier. We're going to kind of sit down and try to figure out a way mechanically to get all these to work together. All right. Well, that makes sense. Thank you for being honest. Uh, and yeah, actually, I'm yeah. actually the same way when I prep for DMing, so I can't, I can't be too mad at you. Good thing you didn't put anything perishable in the box. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was electronic. It was an electronic thing, but, you know, we'll say that there was a a dead raccoon waiting for you. uh, On the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Good thing I love dead raccoons. I mean, it's another thing for my lich reliquary. Yeah, in a jar. That better be stuffed and put on the the wall at the the meadery. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the name, a good name for a mead. Dead raccoon. Dead raccoon. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that there's someone somewhere in the in the Poconos making a dead raccoon. <laughs> <meet>. <laughs> in the Poconos. That was Poconos. Yeah. Is Poconos a hotbed of I don't know, mead making? Poconos just made me laugh right there because I was like, oh, I remember the Poconos. Meat? I know. Remember yeah. the commercials? I don't, I don't know if it's too. Uh, no, I mean, truth be told, nowhere is really a hotbed of mead making. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. True. Not yet. We're looking up. Um, you know, there's place like Michigan, oddly enough, has a has a good mead scene. And <laughs> mead Seattle. Scene. Hey, uh, Seattle? Yeah, yeah. We need I to get Seattle. out, Martito. I now uh, I'm gonna find meaderies. Look well, them up. Now we know where you can open your second location. Yeah, here in Seattle. Yeah. Can we open it up in the uh, Wizards of the Coast offices? Just yes. so we can I think we could strike a deal. I nice. think that makes perfect sense. I like it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, April 24th. That's the uh, hobby uh, store release date for Tales from the Yawning Portal. And uh, you guys will be doing your stream, or at least, you know, the pug crawl as a part of the stream on uh, XSN, correct? That's right. That's right. Uh, I think that's a, it, it's, it's uh, well, I actually don't know a lot of the details for where it's actually going to be broadcast. Do you know that by any chance? We're keeping it all secret right now. We're keeping it all secret. Um, but I'm sure that as soon as it's ready to be released, it will be uh, very publicized, I'll, as well as being streamed on some of our platforms like Twitch cross-media stuff. And if you need more information when the time comes, you can always check my Twitter handle as well. I'll probably have some stuff up there. Good segue to telling us what your Twitter handle is. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Twitter handle is just my name. Not exciting. Not something cool. It doesn't have a big X and a little X after it. It's just... Uh, at Dylan Sprouse, D-Y-L-A-N-S-P-R-O-U-S-E. Well, I think that is actually really Very cool. Exciting. I'm not sure I like the people who have, like, special nicknames and stuff. Like, it's like you got to remember, like, two names for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to get Dylan Sprouse 69, but someone already took it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Something that you probably don't want to Google about yourself uh, with, <laughs> with safe search off. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, it was really good talking to you, Dylan, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the next season of Force Gray, and I hope you're you're a part of it. I hope so, too. Thanks for having me, guys. Very cool. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. That was great talking to Dylan Sprouse. He's so nice. He's a really nice guy. But he is, like, well-adjusted. I think you were right. That was a good question, because it was like, what happened? Seriously. Yeah. Like, who would be on a TV show and then listen to their dad, who's like, you should go get a job? Be like, no. Yeah. Not but, doing that. But Meltdown Comics is pretty much like the coolest job ever. Kind of. But like, yeah. he, I mean, he was well-adjusted enough to know that. I guess that's true. So. Yeah. Well, and nope. it sounds like his uh, style of Dungeons & Dragons mixes like perfectly with yeah, it sounds like what everybody's doing fun nowadays. Fun stream he's doing. Yeah. It sounds really cool. And he was he was fantastic in Force Gray and uh, came up with some of the most memorable moments, like the, the porcupine that like burst inside someone's face. It was amazing. Ew. Yeah. It was great. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, I'm really excited about him, uh, working on something for, yeah. uh, April 24th, uh, for the release of Tales from the Yanni Portal. Um, you'll find out a lot about that then, uh, of course, about the thing, but you should just think about picking it up then as well. Probably. Uh, and if you're ordering, uh, online or you get it from, uh, one of the big box stores, you'll get it on April 4th. Uh, so, uh, March 24th. Have I been saying April 24th this whole time? It was March 24th, Yeah, right? you did. It's March 24th. You know what? That's coming up soon. You did because 
he said something about it only being like 15 days, and I was like, what? Yeah. What's he talking about? March 24th. I was with you on the April 24th. I've been saying April 24th, that whole interview. Well, this is happening in real time, guys. You guys are getting the corrections happening. Greg Tito has just moved up the release date. And now, because Ryan being here, I can be like, March 24th. Just sub that in over all the times I said April 24th. (laughs) Oh, Ryan hates me. Um, As you should. Well, if you're going to follow uh, Dylan, go ahead and fill, uh, follow him on the, uh, the, the, his name, which I think is great. And also my Twitter handle is also just my name, oh. at Greg Tito. So you don't like my Twitter handle. What, what is it again? Saying. What is it again? Shelly Moo. Oh. Well, that's, like, that's cute. It's easier than Shelly Mazzanoble. That's well, too long. Well, that is a problem with your name. It that is, is a problem. Quite long. My name is a problem. It's got a lot of characters in it. Yeah. Also in the family. Yeah. There you go. That's what you should be like your Mazenoble family motto. It's like, we've got a lot of characters We're in our a name. Lot of character. A lot of characters. <laughs> well, awesome. You can uh, reach out to us about uh, uh, any questions you might have about Tales for the Oni Portal or Dungeon Mastering or guests to have on and or... Celebrity impressions. Celebrity impressions. If you want me to work on some more or call your friend as C-3PO. Just leave be- a voicemail for them. Oh, that, you're really doing that? Like, take commissions for... Uh, I, I mean, it's that good. Yeah, I think I might get sued for that. Anthony Daniels, I don't think he'll care too much. He seems nice. He and, seems and nice. busy. He's too busy to do that. It's true. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, and of course, you can leave a review on uh, iTunes or wherever you get uh, this podcast. We really appreciate that. Yep. Uh, it gives us um, a little bit more visibility than you might get normally. And uh, that just gets more people to know about Dragon Talk and the hobby of playing Dungeons and Dragons, which we're all about. All about. Love it. Yep. All right, thank you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Peace out.